It's Monday, July 26th. I'm Rudy. America won a gold medal in fencing. And we got Mexico to pay for it. Let's take a long walk to Cleveland. Thank you so much for subscribing to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Stitcher, and every single day at 9.45 a.m. We go live on Instagram today on the show. Hey, Dirt, hey, Kinley's got your money. Also, Woodstock 99, peace, love, and structure fires. Oh, but first, say hi to some people. Hello, Janine. Good morning, Amanda. Hi, Mel, Char, Tara, Lindsay. What's up, John? Dude, John, you are looking freaking ripped these days. Jesus Christ, guy. If you guys, uh, ladies, if you're looking for some uh, some eye candy, go check out uh, my buddy John. You see him on the Instagram. Sugar Shane. Jesus Christ, dude, you are looking fucking so good. Uh, Bellamy Jack, good morning. Lindsay! Uh, no, wait, it was Mel. Happy Monday, Rudy. Hope you had a great weekend. I did. Thank you very much. Uh, went to Rhinelander, Wisconsin. Didn't realize that there was a, a little bit of folklore that goes on in that area. Rhinelander, Wisconsin, known for the Hogda. Giant, mythical creature. Kind of looks like a Chinese dragon. They're all over the damn place. I walked in, as I was walking downtown Rhinelander, um, they had like these statues all over the place and I'm like what in the world is going on with the Rhinelander and the monsters and what the what is all this shit and then uh, come to find out they got a little bit of folklore that goes on um it is uh I don't know apparently like some guy back in the day when you have nothing going on in your city that's what you do you basically just make up shit like hey there's monsters that come around and uh <laughs> it's called the is it the Hogda the the Hogda the Hogada the Hogada what the god damn it why can't I think of this um googling it right now but yeah some sort of like green monster they're all over the place man like they are everywhere the the Hodag that's what it is the Hodag uh kind of looks like a Chinese dragon almost like big fangs long spiky it is um they were all over the damn place and when we walked into the brewery guy goes oh yeah I had my do- my my dog uh, Paul with me my bulldog and he goes oh yeah the uh, the hodag known for eating bulldogs so I was like maybe we fucking keep that one close to the vest bud <laughs> maybe next time we just don't like you know fucking blurt it out the fact that your dog might get eaten today we just kind of keep that one mm, right on the inside you know? Good morning, Sharon. Hi, Mira. Nice to see you guys. What's up, Dana? Uh, yeah, but it was uh, it was a fun weekend, and I uh, want to say thanks to uh, Justin and to uh, Jake, who were nice enough from um, uh, Wolf Dog Comedy out of Iowa to bring me up there and hang out, man. It was fun. It was a... Uh, it was a it was a good time, round trip, man. That seven hours round trip, though. Oh my god, it's it can be brutal, you know. It'd be one thing if, like, you know, you were going up there to. I, I told the uh, basically told the family yesterday. I said I will do this once every three four months, but dude, I don't know if I could do that every weekend driving. I mean, it's one thing when it's like, hey, dude, you close. To, you want to stay out till one thirty two o'clock in the morning? That's fine when it's like a fifteen minute drive, but when it's three and a half hours away. But the one thing about Wisconsin that I like the most is most of that state is easily accessible by double lane highway. 
They're well lit. All the gas stations are right off the exits. Minnesota, sometimes like trying to get, I, I understand we got like 35, but like if you kind of want to get to the middle of the state, dude, you're going to have to probably spend a little bit of time on single lane highways. And that is a goddamn pain in the ass when it's that late. Oi. But it was a uh, fun time nonetheless. Thank you to uh, Ryan Lander Brewing for having us out. Good crowd. Nice little crowd. Nice people. You know, um, we obviously had a, uh, you're unknown in a city like that. So you're trying to win the crowd over. Nice people. You know, I, I've I've learned quickly that uh, the number one thing to do is to just walk around and just shake some hands. It's not that difficult. Just walk around and be like, hey, thanks for coming. Nice to see you. What's your name? Uh, where do you guys live? Where are you from? Maybe try to mine a little bit of information about what's going on in the city. Saying what up. It is, um, I don't know, it just makes the show a little bit more enjoyable for everybody. You know, get people on your side. Instead of being the guy up there just like, you know, fucking being like, you motherfuckers better laugh. They're like, what? What? What is going on here with all this guy? Uh, but yeah, nonetheless, uh, it was fun. Happened to catch the, I know obviously this is a, t- trust me, it's not like I'm proud of it. But at some point, like that main stretch of highway between like Wausau and Eau Claire, it is Dude, it is like, I don't know, it's like 77 miles, but it's the longest 77 miles of your life. It is as flat and as straight as it could possibly be. And it is, you know, and I'm a guy, I could fall asleep in the middle of an ACDC concert. I just, I just know my brain and I just know when it's time to go to bed, it is time to go to bed. So, uh, I actually, uh, uh, just threw on, you know, there's nobody on the highway. It's just me. So just like on my little phone holder that sticks in the vent, I just uh, put on uh, some, uh, I just put on some, you know, comedy shows from Netflix and whatnot. Listen to them that way. Um, it's nice to have like a little bit of a visual in front of you, you know, not that you should watch television and drive, but it's just nice to have like something in front of you as you are keeping your eye on the road. That's also sort of engaging your brain. Cause the problem is now, especially music, I, I'm, I'm out. I mean, Christ, we were driving home after a Kiss concert one time, and I fell asleep at the wheel. I mean, luckily, my buddy Santi was up, and he jerked the wheel back onto the highway. But uh, I know myself well enough. I don't I don't get the people who don't get people who can fall asleep while driving. Like, especially nowadays, cars are just like, they're, they're temperature controlled. They are filled with, you know, smooth rides. Like back in the day, like when you were driving an old piece of shit jalopy, you felt every bump. And nowadays, man, like I was driving my buddy Lance's since 2020, you know, Chevy Silverado, all the bells and whistles, cameras, all that shit. It was like driving a cloud. (laughs) It was the smoothest ride I've ever been a part of. I'm like, yeah, I get why people fall asleep at the wheel. You got a little bit of music going. It's nice and dark. You got the the shit up in front of you, you know, you got the, the dashboard lights. Those are kind of like dimmed down. I totally understand how it could happen. Is it ideal? Obviously not. But uh, nonetheless, man, it uh, it was fun. Then last night I got home and my goodness, I don't know if you guys have. Uh, Lindsay fell asleep at the wheel back on the way back from Owatonna about a decade ago and ended up in a ditch. Boring drives are the worst. I agree, especially these long stretches of highway that are super straight Nothing on them. Gas station's going to be like 37 miles away. Southern Minnesota's the worst, man. Oh, that is the worst. Uh, Mel fell asleep driving at 17, working 16 hours and going to school and rolled my car. I was okay. I'll never do it again. I, yeah. Yeah. After the, the coming back from the Kiss concert, <laughs> that was, 
Ah, that was the worst, man. That was the worst. Yep. Uh, hi, Doreen. Nice to see you. Thanks for stopping by. Uh, but uh, last night, got home, and HBO Max, if you don't have, uh, it's worth the nine bucks a month. I'll have to say, it is. It's really worth the nine bucks or whatever it is, ten bucks a month. Tons of great programming, a lot of... A lot of, you know, Marvel movies are coming out, or DC movies are coming out on it. There's a lot of good that's happening with HBO Max. Great shows that you can recommend. You can go back and, I mean, The Sopranos, it's worth, you know, that 11, 12 bucks a month. I'm not sure exactly what it is. But last night I watched the HBO documentary on Woodstock 99. I was saddened. Uh, It brought back a lot of memories going to some of those concerts and seeing some of those bands. But when we were just graduating high school, 1999... They had made the announcement that Woodstock 99 was going to be happening. And I was too young to go to Woodstock 94 and thought, well, this is perfect, man. Like, now we got driver's licenses. We're all going to be 18. We all got to ship off to college to go to Woodstock or before we go to Wood, before we uh, go to college in the fall. Let's go to Woodstock 99. So we started making plans and we're putting it all together. And, you know, we're in our minds, we were thinking Woodstock 94. Green Day comes out with the mud people. It's nothing but, like, free love. And it's, obviously, 1969 Woodstock was just, like, what we were told was that Woodstock was nothing but, like, you know, hugs and kisses and flowers and, you know, a little bit of acid and just people, like, really loving on each other. Fuck no! Watch this documentary on HBO and you find out Woodstock 69 was filled with its hardships. Groups of marauding people going around and burning down food stands. And then when you watch this uh, documentary about Woodstock 99, essentially what happened was after we had graduated, my mom basically begged me, please do not go to Woodstock 99. Like I'm kind of watching what's going on with, you know, the world right now. And I've been to a couple of concerts with you. Could you guys just please not go? Listen, I know you guys are 18. You guys can make your own decisions, but I will pay for you to go to another concert closer to town if you do not drive out to Rome, New York and go to Woodstock 99. Please, I am begging you don't go. So we kind of kicked it around and that was right when they had announced that Tattoo the Earth was going on the road. It was kind of like an offshoot of OzFest. And my mom said, I'll buy you guys concert tickets and camping if you just don't go to Woodstock 99. Please don't drive. So we just decided to say fuck it and we stayed close to town. And then the aftermath, as you saw it all unfold that Sunday night when the structure fire started happening and the riots and the looting, it was uh, it was like we were looking back on it going, wow, you were correct. Like you just had an inkling, mom, that this we probably shouldn't have gone. And I'm glad that we didn't. And I watched that documentary last night and I was I was so saddened to be a part of that culture for so long. I know it feels weird to, I don't know, maybe look back on, especially because it was such like a a building block of who we were. That lifestyle, those concerts, those bands, that, man, just watching like these poor ladies just getting groped and the amount of like sexual assaults that were going on and the amount of people that had the capabilities to be able to stop something like that happening and just completely fucking blowing past it. And then watching the press conferences from the people who were putting on Woodstock and yelling at reporters who are just trying to ask questions or even like bring up the fact that, hey man, you guys had a guy die last night. And they then get combative with with the reporters and with the Rolling Stone. And it was like, 
I don't know. I just, I watched that whole documentary and just, man, I was just, I don't know. I was just, I was sickened to watch it. And then I was super sad that that's what we grew up loving. That, you know, all those bands that played, the Metallicas, the Corns, you know, Alanis Morissette went on right before Limp Bizkit, Corn and Metallica, and they almost burned that goddamn city to the ground. I don't know. I, uh, as I'm watching it, though, I'm also thinking like, hey, man, like I, I get that it was terrible for everybody, but they're still showing people Sunday afternoon before the Red Hot Chili Peppers go on. And there's still people in the pits and there's still people that are like close up to the stage. And it looks like everybody's having a good time, you know, but man, to watch before they go out and they, they, before they bring in the people for Woodstock 99, they basically contacted all of these artists and said, we want to make a two mile long mural. It kind of goes around the facilities, this like old Air Force base where we're going to be holding this thing. And we want all these artists to come in and you're going to get like a 500 foot section that you can make whatever you want. But we just want to connect it, you know, kind of show a little bit of harmony with artists. And all these artists spend weeks putting this together and the mobs just showed up and just completely ripped it down. That Sunday afternoon, like that, that Sunday morning, there was somebody talking about Sunday morning before the bands went on and they were, there were people chanting, tear down the wall. And somebody had thought it was Pink Floyd that had just like shown up like a secret, a secret uh, show. But no, not, not the case, man. Like they were, they were, they were ripping down the scaffolding and they were, they lit the fucking stage on fire. They lit one of the stages. There was two stages. There was East stage and West stage. The East stage, they just lit it on fire. While the Red Hot Chili Peppers are playing their set, you can see the band looking out and it is nothing but fires. There's got to be like seven and giant, huge pallet fires, massive fires going on in the middle of this concert. And the Red Hot Chili Peppers just keep playing. And the last song that they play, they come out for their encore. And basically like the, some of these people from Woodstock, that were like stage managers, pulled Anthony Kiedis aside and said, dude, you have to please say something to the crowd to get them to settle down because we can't have this, man. They're gonna, this place, we're all going to die. And at some point, somebody had uh, in the band kind of like looked around and said, well, we're going out to do our encore. And they were like, okay, just before you do it, could you please at least try to settle the crowd down? Because if not, we might end up with some dead people. And instead, the band went out there and played Jimi Hendrix, Light My Fire. That was the band. That was the last song the Chili Peppers played before they left. And then Megadeth still came back out on stage and played. And basically, Dave Mustaine was like, eh, fuck it. Whatever, dude. You guys caused this, not me. I'm getting on my bus and getting the hell out of here in like 20 minutes. So you guys can burn this place to the ground. We don't care. Christ, they had to bring in, they had to bring in like the, the, uh, like, what was it? The, it wasn't the National Guard. It was the state something or another, but. These security guards were just like showing up, man. And these dudes were like, basically, they were there day one and they got their credentials and they kind of hung out and they got some people in. And then after about, I don't know, seven, eight hours of work, they were like, ah, we'd much rather be partying. So basically, like almost all of the security had just like left and just went to the campgrounds and started like drinking beers and hanging out. And that was that. And now you just have this like Lord of the Flies lawlessness that is happening around Rome, New York, at this old Air Force base. And I don't know, I just, I guess you hurt, and I understand that some of these things happen at festivals, and it'd be nice if dudes could be able to control themselves, if they had a little bit of couth, or, you know, 
maybe they would have a good friend that could pull them aside and go, hey, fucking while the girl is crowd surfing, maybe don't reach up and grab a titty. That'd be nice. Maybe the poor girl just wants to have some fun and doesn't want to have to worry about you, like, sticking your hand up her cooch. Like, what the fuck, dude? Wouldn't it be nice to have a buddy or at least see somebody pull another guy aside and go, dude, that's completely inappropriate. What the fuck is the matter with you? But really well done documentary. It's only like an hour and 50 minutes and they hit everything. They hit everything. Everything you need to know about that concert and how awful and terrible it was. Man, I don't know. They they knocked it out of the park. And uh, to go back and like watch some of that stuff and to see some of those bands and to like relive those moments. You know, Kurt Loader from MTV was just basically at some point live on TV was just like, Okay, well, it's gotten way too dangerous and we're just packing up. And you, and the heads of MTV were like, dude, no, 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 no. Like, keep it on the straight and narrow. And he's like, are you, do you guys not see what is going on around here? Like, people are going to die. We, we got to get out of here. This, these people do not want us here. We have turned, MTV in 1999 had basically turned into, you know, Britney Spears, Backstreet Boys. The days of hair metal were gone. You know, Kurt Cobain was dead. There was a lot of angsty people. And then you sort of like had this whole, you know, the, all these kids that were like these aggro sort of frat boys who were into corn. And then you're bringing them together with people that were there to see Jewel and Alanis Morissette. And I mean, just what a goddamn clusterfuck. I don't know. It was it was nice to see some of like those old, like tons of old great footage from the 60s. And, you know, especially 94 when they showed Green Day and the Mud People and like how unified that concert was to see that was great but to go back and watch some of the stuff i'm so glad like looking back on it man i am i am so glad that i did not end up at woodstock 99 (laughs) the games of the 32nd olympiad what not to watch at 10.45, China versus Mexico in women's roundabout driving. At noon, men's 100-meter explosive hurdles. And at 6 p.m., soccer. This has been the games of the 32nd Olympiad. What not to watch? Oh, yeah, the Olympics. Anybody been watching? Uh, I saw that the... I, I, I guess... I guess it'd have to be men's and women's fencing, right? Took a gold medal in that. It's weird that people get, like, super excited about sports that only come around once every four years, you know? We had some people at the house on Sunday morning, and men's water polo was on. Nary has there ever been a water polo game that any of my acquaintances have ever watched, nor ever wanted to know anything about. And everybody was, like, glued to the TV. I'm like, do we give a shit about this? Why do we care? This is a dumb sport. It's like, it's like somebody went, hey, you guys know the uh, action-packed power that is lacrosse? Let's put a bunch of people in a pool and slow it down to, like, basically a crawl. It was, ah, it was just lame. Lindsay, I watched Denmark and Spain play handball the other day, and it was a riot. Yeah, there is some of those matches where you're like, dude, I hope you guys know how to apply pressure to stop the bleeding. Because there are some of these things, man, like the, uh... Uh, like, uh, what, what the hell was I watching one day? Was it chat? I can't remember the name of the, the sport. It may have been actually handball. It may, it may have been. We're like, somebody got hit with one of the balls and, and those things fly. I mean, dude, they are zipping through the air and somebody got beamed with one. And I just remember thinking like, 
you better have some sort of, you got to have some good paramedics on hand, man. Because Jesus, cr- but nobody gets, it's not like, you know, it's not like my daughter just comes up and she's like, hey, dad, they just announced at the Target Center that they're going to have the handball championships. Do you want to go? I'm like, fuck yeah, get in the car, kids. Let's do this. Handball? Can't wait. It's like, we just turn on the Olympics because we got nothing else to watch. And you're like, eh, whatever's on is on. Table tennis? Fuck it. We'll watch that. Mira, TV stays off until track and field events begin. I get that. Track and field is fun to watch. Yep. Uh, Apparently, there was a guy who was a assistant coach, I think a wide receivers coach, from the Carolina Panthers who had gone out to the Olympics and saw Usain Bolt run. And this guy had been, he's run his entire life. His whole life. That's all the guy did. From like the age of like seven until the day he died, that's all the guy did was run. And he had seen every great runner, everybody who came through the league, everybody talked about how amazing this guy was. This guy goes to the Olympics just as like a spectator and he sees Usain Bolt run for the first time and he fucking cried his eyes out. Like that's how amazing that guy is, you know? You see those great pictures of him with like a nine foot lead crossing the finish line and he's looking at the camera with a big smile on his face like that type of stuff I'm super into but for the rest of it eh, I don't know I know uh, women's gymnastics was on last night too for a bit which was I don't know, it's fun to watch it's weird with nobody in the stands though I don't like that it's just I don't know like I get that you know everybody needs to be COVID safe but can we try to maybe bring a few people in like figure it out somehow there's got to be a way around it you know, Simone Biles is doing one of the most complicated and intricate moves that the Olympics has ever seen. And then she sticks it and you just hear like a lonely clap from the top of the rafters. And you're like, Ugh, it, just, it just doesn't have the zip, the tang to it. You got to have a little bit of backbone, you know? I don't know. It was fun to watch uh, for a little bit yesterday. But I, a lot of these, these sports like archery, archery, that's what... I mean, do they? They were showcasing people shooting bow and now. Now, when people are like, "It's it's a it's a fuck, it's a really hard man. Like it's a it's it's a difficult task. Like it's a it's a sport that takes tons of concentration." I get that, totally get that. Um, uh, to see how straight their arms can be when they are pulling back the bow, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. But ah, boring. It's just it's so boring, so boring. That's the problem. Uh, Mira, you should watch the last two laps of any long distance race. You'll think, where the fuck did they get all that energy after 15 laps? The Kenyans are wild. Totally. Totally. Uh, there was a, uh, there was a guy that came in and did a seminar for a radio station I used to work at. And he was basically talking about, he was a marathon runner and he was kind of like a motivational speaker. And he said, you know, life, much like a marathon, it is a, uh, it is a 24 mile run to a two and a half mile race. And that's, if you can sort of like start to look at life that way, that everything is just a buildup. It's all, you're always at the starting line. And that, that's a, I feel like it's a good metaphor for life. Just always be at the starting line. Always be at the spot where you are working towards getting good to be able to run that last two and a half miles. You know? I thought it was a great metaphor. I really, I've, I've really like, after I heard that, it sort of sat with me for a moment. Like, oh, that's right. You know, um, you should always be trying to get yourself on a uh, uh, back at the starting line and re- resetting, you know, Mira, get that on a T-shirt, brah, brah, get it on a T-shirt, brah, rip that thing off. 
Go Hulk Hogan style. Hulkamania gonna rip it off. Show the guns, the pecs. It's right. <laughs> no, but uh, I'm looking forward to the uh, the rest of. Uh, I, I, I do like the Olympics. I think it'd be fun to go see one in another country. You know. Um, the one nice thing that always happens every four years is you start to hear those stories about like, oh yeah, man, you know them uh, Olympic athletes, dude. They uh, they like to uh, pound the sheets with each other when they get inside that Olympic village. There is none of that this year. They've been showing those Olympic villages, and it is. I think the women's gymnastics team basically just like pulled pulled anchor and just went to a hotel. They were like, dude, you guys can't figure it out. We don't want to be around these people. They just, I think, I'm pretty sure everybody just like a good chunk of Team USA just went, eh, we're going to be on our own. You guys figure it out, you know? Plus, uh, plus some of these countries, like I was watching uh, the Nigeria basketball team play Australia. God damn, some of these dudes can ball. Jesus. There's a couple of dudes from the NBA that are playing, I think, on Nigeria. I think a guy from the Bucks is what my brother-in-law had said. But man, some of these dudes can ball and then you, they show like the behind the scenes, like, their practice facilities, and you're like, dude, high schools here in the states have better practice facilities than where some of these guys come from. But they get put up against the best in the world, man, and they can compete. You know, I mean, look at Team USA basketball right now; like, it is dreadfully bad. So, I don't know. The one nice thing uh, that was fun about basketball right away, because uh, my daughter was born in June, and July, I think it was the end of July, is when uh, the Olympics kind of came around in 2008. And she was kind of at that point, I don't know, about two months old, where noises, she could kind of like pick up like things around her, you know, would like, she would get mesmerized by, you know, like snapping your finger. Um, but uh, we used to just stick her in the, the the baby seat on the floor and she would watch basketball. Loved it. Olympic basketball. And I think it was because of the squeaking of the the shoes on the floor because it's all you heard and she was just like fixated man like could not get her eyes off that screen glued to it so yeah if you're looking for a way to maybe calm the kids down just uh you know pump them full of uh benadryl (laughs) and then just stick them in front of uh usa basketball because especially right now that team is super boring make sure you subscribe to this podcast on apple Podcasts and spotify on stitcher and every day at 9 45 a.m we go live on instagram it's at rudy underscore Popovich. and once again you guys thank you so much for taking a long walk to cleveland <laughs>